The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. Good morning, chapel family. We are here again for our Sunday gathering-ish. It's an opportunity for us to think about Jesus, who we are all about. It's one of these moments, too, that I was thinking about earlier. I really enjoy this opportunity to get to interact with you guys. So this week, as opposed to last week, I brought my screen up here. So if you want to have something prayed for, or if you have a question about things that are going on, please drop those in the comments on Facebook. We'll be sure that we're getting to those uh, as our stream goes on. This this time that we're in, it's gotten a little bit more crazy. They're adding a few more restrictions. And in case you haven't heard some of the news, Florida is rapidly uh, increasing in the number of COVID-19 cases that are being diagnosed and found out. Um, if you can remember to pray for my little brother, not my middle one who comes to the chapel, but my youngest brother who's stationed in South Carolina. He got tested for the coronavirus yesterday and he'll get his results back in two to five days because he was showing a lot of the symptoms. Um, so please uh, pray for him. I would love that as a personal favor. And then how can we pray for you? What is going on in your life right now that we can pray for you? And, and I know some of you are maybe thinking, well, there's nothing that big going on in my life. Um, believe me, God wants to hear all of our prayers during this time, whether it's prayers for the, the coronavirus situation, and we're going to have some time in prayer later, or whether it's prayers just for the simple sanity at home. I don't know if your home is anything like mine, but right now my home can go from semi-peaceful to total chaos within a matter of seconds. All it takes is one kid to do something, to run into somebody. This week we had a giant slip and slide from, uh, from some supplies at Lowe's in our backyard, and my middle son lost his tooth in the yard, and he could not retrieve it, so the tooth fairy didn't have to visit him. And then it goes from peaceful and fun to total and utter chaos. So we're praying for those things. We're praying for you, moms and dads, uh, brothers, sisters, aunts, and uncles who are jumping into this education journey in a new facet. We are envying you homeschool parents like our children's director, Joanna and Kit and a number of others who already know how to do this. And you guys are just rolling into this season while many of us are struggling to figure out what in the world this looks like. Uh, all of this comes together today. And, and I wanted to share a message with you in, in a bit. So if you have your Bibles, or we're going to have a few songs in between, but if you have your Bibles, get them out now, open the app, and I want you to go to 2 Kings chapter 5 is where we're going to be studying and opening the word of the Lord today. And, and then uh, this week, it was interesting because I had planned on going and recording various worship leaders um, to have come in uh, to pipe in the video for Sunday, but I came down with a little bit of something earlier this week, so I did not do that. And instead, I, I told them, I said, hey, if any of you can record something, please do that. I said, even if it's just on your phone, I want the chapel to be able to sing along. And right now, it's, it's an interesting time. Usually we come here and there's lights and there's things that are going on. And it's a big production. But for this, I thought it was, it was so sweet, especially because of the, the people who sent in the videos. Uh, so first, uh, I'll just introduce them. It's Josiah and his sisters, uh, Taya and Naomi. And they're going to sing a song that we're all very familiar with. And I do think that they took me at my word. I said, just record it on anything you've got and send it to me. Because we're in this quarantine zone and I, my face was congested and I didn't know if I was going to come down with something. It turned out that it was just a cold that passed. I didn't get a fever. Praise God. Um, but they, they sent in some videos and um, we've got two of the songs for you this morning. The first one is Good, Good Father. And before we go to that, I just want to pray so we can bring all this under the lordship and under the covering of Jesus as we're wondering what church gatherings look like during the season. So pray with me if you would. 
Father, I thank you for the opportunity. Lord, the fact that we could be in this situation and still have a conversation with church family is, is incredible. The fact, Lord, that the people from across the city could record something on a phone and send it to me and we could put up some lyrics so that others around could still feel like they're connected to the chapel family community is incredible. Lord, I thank you for all that you're doing in this season. Lord, I thank you that in the midst of this stay-at-home order, we have the opportunity to learn new things, to experience new joy and new peace. Lord, I pray that as your children, we wouldn't give in to fear. I pray that as your children, we wouldn't give in to pessimism, that we wouldn't give in to seeing the negative side of all of these things, but that we would instead look for you and the, and the amazing things that you're doing. The fact that we get to spend time with our younger children for the rest of this school year, most likely. Lord, the fact that we get to spend time with our family and spouse. Lord, I thank you for these things. We pray for those who are in positions of leadership from mayors and school board council members to governors and senators and congresspeople and the president and all of the cabinet. Anyone who's in any position of authority, Lord, we pray for your wisdom to rain down. We pray for your wisdom to penetrate and permeate those discussions that are being had with doctors and politicians. And let, let this season be a season where truth, your truth, the good news of Jesus, can rise up. Lord, let this be a season where the church finds new life. Lord, let this be a season where we as your people learn new ways to, to love our neighbor as ourselves and love you with all that we are. Thank you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things. I pray that you would enjoy this worship time with Josiah, Taya, and Naomi. Good morning, Chapel family. We're still practicing social distancing, but that's not going to stop us from worshiping. Can I get an amen? Amen. Please feel free to sing along in the comfort of your homes.
Thank you, Josiah and Taya and Naomi for recording that. Um, I'm sure it was probably nerve-wracking for you. And, and I, I was wondering, as I'm sure some other people are wondering, what in the world do you have all that stuff in your house for? I mean, you got so much stuff in your house to be able to worship the Lord. It must be an incredible time when, when this whole thing is all said and done. I, I know that some chapel family have been over to your house numerous times to do worship gatherings. But I think when the coronavirus is lifted, we should do a gathering at the Randolphs because you've got a beautiful pool and a campfire pit and we could do worship and all that stuff would be there. And I know I'm just literally throwing this out on Facebook Live right now, but it's where my heart's at. Uh, this next song, it, it's going to cut in a little bit fast because I, I picked it and I cut it where I did because I wanted us to all think about the prayer that we praise at the beginning of this song. And then the song that they're going to sing is a very familiar song. So here is how great is our God?
we need you to heal our planet, Lord. We need you to heal this world. We've messed it up.
show us your love, continue to point us to, to truth, and give us creativity as to how to love well during these uncertain times. In Jesus' name. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood. With you, so let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Would you be mine? Would you be my neighbor? I don't know if I will ever get tired of watching that video. Uh, the take on Mr. Rogers. Obviously, it inspired me to go on Amazon and find this orangey, ready cardigan-y thing, and I'm just going to keep my collection going. Um, hopefully by now you flipped to 2 Kings chapter 5. This morning's message that God put on my heart is called Humbled and Healed. Humbled and Healed, because it's two things that I think uh, we are in desperate need of. And I don't just mean humbled and healed because of the coronavirus. I think this is a time of, of purification, of rethinking how we approach loving people in Jesus' name and living for Jesus and the type of people that we approach. And that's why I was drawn to this story from God's Word. This is a story that will be familiar to some of you if you grew up in the church. But if you are like me, if you are new to, to church gatherings and maybe new to the story of God, this story is remarkable. And I remember still clearly the first time I read it because I didn't understand a lot of the components that go on. So I'm going to read this for us this morning, Second Kings chapter 5. It's a story of a man called Naaman. Naaman, commander of the army for the king of Aram, was a man important to his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was a valiant warrior, but he had a skin disease. In the Bible they called this leprosy. Aram had gone on raids and brought back from the land of Israel a young girl who served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his skin disease. So Naaman went and told his master what the girl from the land of Israel had said. Therefore the king of Aram said, Go, and I will send a letter with you to the king of Israel. So, when, so he went and took with him 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. He brought the letter to the king of Israel and read it. When this letter comes to you, note that I have sent you my servant, Naaman, for you to cure him of this skin disease. See, this skin disease was one that would cause Naaman or anyone who had it to be outcasted, to be thought of as less than. So the king wanted his general, his commander, his main guy on the battlefield who had won these battles to be healed of this thing. So he sent him to the king of Israel because that's what you do. A king goes to a king. But when the king of Israel, verse 7, read this letter, he tore his clothes and asked, Am I God 
killing and giving life that this man expects me to cure a man of his skin disease, recognize that he is only picking a fight with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king, Why have you torn your clothes? Have him come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent him a messenger who said, Go wash seven times in the Jordan, and your skin will be restored, and you will be clean. But Naaman got angry and left, saying, I was telling myself, he will surely come out, stand and call in the name of the Lord his God, and wave his hand over the place and cure the skin disease. Aren't Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be clean? So he turned and left in a rage. But his servants approached him and said to him, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more should you do it when he only tells you, Wash and be clean? So Naaman went down, dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, according to the command of the man of God. Then his skin was restored and became like the skin of a small boy, and he was clean. And Naaman and his whole company went back to the man of God, stood before him and declared, I know, (laughs) I know there's no God in the whole world except in Israel. Therefore, please accept a gift from your servant. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives in whose presence I stand, I will not accept it. Naaman urged him to accept it, but he refused. Naaman responded, If not, please let your servant be given as much soil as a pair of mules can carry. For your servant will no longer offer a burnt offering or a sacrifice to any other God, but to the Lord. We'll stop there for a moment. That's a big story. It's a story of someone who is high and strong and noteworthy. And they were brought down to a low place. They were brought down to a place where they had to first go from one king to one king. Naaman went to his king and said, write me a letter. I need, I need to get a cure for this. And this girl, this girl that we took said that there's someone in Israel who can heal me. Now for context, in case you're not caught up on your ancient Hebrew history, um, this is, in the story of the Bible, there's, there's different seasons that pass. There's different moments in the history of things that are going on. This is after the creation. This is after the enslavement in Egypt. This is after the Israelites are freed from the plagues. This is after they wandered through the desert for 40 years. This is after they went through the period of the judges. This is in the period of the kings. And in this period of the kings, this is moving along in the story. There was the first king, Saul, and then the most famous king of probably all of the Israelite kings, who is King David. But this is long after that. This is in a time where culturally, the people of Israel had just begun to think of their God as one of the gods around them. They weren't trying to share the good news or the power of God. They had forgotten what God had done for them. And in large part, there were many, many bad kings who had forgotten the Lord's ways. And in this story, it's, it's part of this uh, surrounding community of people who had gone in and taken a girl from Israel. And this girl had grown to have affection for her master, Naaman, and she wants him to be healed of this disease. 
I know right now with all of the, the news that we're watching, we're looking at things like vaccines and what will cure it. And do you take this vitamin or this supplement or what's the distance that you need to stay away? There's a lot of talking right now about people being healed. And it's a scary time. It's a scary time to, to be here, specifically in Florida, because of the number of cases that are growing exponentially each day right now. So when I read this story, I asked myself a couple of questions. The first one is this, why in the world, why in the world did God choose to heal Naaman? And even thinking about Naaman himself, a powerful man who could do pretty much whatever he wanted in his time. If that doesn't sound like some of of the station of life where we're at, I mean, you may not think that, that you're privileged, but I want you to think about the things that we have available to us right now. We, we are literally live streaming a video from a video camera through a computer to internet into the air to your house. I have no idea how it works. Some people do. Hootie probably knows how it works. We, we have Amazon. Right now when I need something, I go on Amazon and I purchase it. And when I say need, I'm using that term very liberally because we purchased an inflatable water slide for our house. We we're going online, we're finding these things to satiate us. When we want food, we don't even have to go out and get food. We can actually have food delivered to our doors from many restaurants in our area. We live in a position of immense, immense privilege and opportunity. Much like Naaman. Much like Naaman, however, I think we fall into the trap of thinking that we can buy our way in or out of any situation. And right now, many of us are learning that we cannot. Right now, many of us are waking up to this sobering idea that there is something potentially coming for us and going to sweep through the world and our country and state and cities and potentially our homes that we have zero control over, that there is no amount of money to purchase freedom or relief from. And I know that there are people on different sides of the fence thinking of it's this serious, it's that serious. Here's the deal. Right now, all of the doctors are telling us it's serious. That's why we're at stay-at-home orders. That's why we're not here gathering at the chapel building. I want us to think about this type of opportunity that we've had for so long. We've taken so many things for granted. I have taken so many things for granted. I've taken for granted the fact that we have this space and we get to gather. The first time we get to come back to this building, I'm going to greet you with so many hugs. (coughs) Hopefully my cough will be gone by then. The first time we come back to gather at this building, I want to sing my guts out because I think I took some things for granted. Naaman made a power play move. He said, I'm going to get this done my way. He got the letter of recommendation. He got the hundreds of pounds of gold and silver. And the king of Israel was scared. He said, I can't do anything. Who am I to do anything? What what am I supposed to do? I'm not God. And the king of Israel thought that the king of Aram was just picking a fight. But then Elisha, the man of God, heard this. And he said, send him to me. Now, in case you're not picturing this, This is Naaman, who has been in courts of kings, of powerful nations, and he goes to the courts of the king of Israel. And then Elisha says, send him to my house. You have to imagine someone going from the most opulent settings, the most beautiful courts and palaces for the time, and then being sent to a prophet's house. This was not a high station. This was not in any way what we would think of as acceptable living quarters for anyone that we we know now. If we saw Elisha's house, it would have just looked like a house made of mud and brick with some type of roofing structure. And when Naaman, this person who's important, this person with a letter of recommendation, this person who comes with chariots shows up, Elisha doesn't even go out to greet him. Bold move. Bold move. He literally sends his servant out and says, go tell the guy what to do. 
presumably there's nothing wrong with Elisha as far as we know. He goes on and does other things. He didn't have a problem with his legs. He didn't have a problem. There was no distance between him and, and the, the chariots that he couldn't have covered himself. But he's doing something, and God was doing something in Naaman's life. God was humbling Naaman. See, Naaman came from prestige, and he spoke the language of prestige and privilege. God was teaching him humility. Not only would the king of Israel have no answers, but the prophet himself would not even go outside to greet him. Instead, sent his servant. And then, on top of that, it wasn't go do some great exploit. The message was this, go dip yourself in the river Jordan seven times. The dirty, muddy river Jordan. Not the beautiful rivers in the country where he came from. The humble river. The dirty river, the gross river. The reason why Christians think so fondly of the River Jordan is because it's in the Bible. But if you look at pictures of the Jordan or if you've been to the Jordan, you know that it is just a dirty river going from one sea to another. And this was God's call. Dip yourself in the river. There's no conquest, no conquering. There was none of that. It was nothing great and grand. It was humble yourself. Go wash seven times. And then you will be made clean. And he went away furious. Naaman, this is the person that nobody would think would come to God. This is the type of person that you look at and you think, it doesn't seem like this guy would ever turn to the living God. But God had a humbling plan for him. And he had people around him. Naaman's people said, if it was something great, you would do it. So just, can you just wash? We love you. We want to see you healed. And he went in, took the plunge, and then did it. And he was cleaned. And his skin became, it said, it says that he has the skin of a small boy. He went from this diseased, leprous skin, which was something that would get you cast out, something that would make you get looked down upon. And then it said he had the brand new skin of a boy. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if his wrinkles also went away. All I know is that he was cured. And then something peculiar happens. He tries again to say, let me pay you. We've got all this gold and all this silver. Let me pay you. And Elisha says, no. I will not accept it. There, there are many people, many, many people who still think and still believe that you can pay off God, that you can buy something from God, that you can earn your way into his good grace. And that's not the way God works. The, the reason why I wrote this on my arm, to tell us die, it is finished. Because I believe too many believers live under a banner that says work in progress. And that we don't rest in the fact that when Jesus died on the cross, he finished it once and for all. He paid for all of our past. He's breaking the chains of the present power of sin in our lives. And one day will free us from the presence of sin entirely. It's finished. There's nothing you can do. There's no gold that you can bring. There's no behavior that's good enough for God. All we do is dip in the water seven times and find ourselves made new. All we do is throw ourselves in the mercy of God and accept the humbling that he brings to us. It's, it's interesting to me, having been a youth pastor for a number of years and then pastoring in different capacities, to see the, the differences in people uh, in different churches. It, it's interesting that so many of us in church are addicted to bringing our version of gold to make God pleased with us. It, it's, interesting to me, it's interesting to me that so many followers of Jesus will reach out to somebody who looks like them, speaks like them, works like them, lives near them, but we're so hesitant to bring someone in who is different from us. Naaman could not have been more different from the Israelites. Naaman could have not been more different from Elisha the prophet, someone who lived meagerly and someone who lived opulently and had massive amounts of authority. But God said, this is the person I'm choosing. I'm going to give my grace to him. I'm going to heal him. 
there were lepers at this time in Israel that would be living in leper colonies. God did not heal them for whatever purpose. God chose this commander. And God reinforces when he says to the guy, I will not accept the gold. I will not accept anything. Naaman then says something interesting. And if you don't understand this process, it's uh, he says, okay, I, if I can't give you something, at least let me load up as much soil as I can and bring back with me to my land. And, he, and here's what Naaman is saying in this moment. He's saying something special happened here. Something incredible changed in my life here. And this is something that I think we've probably lost a little bit of in our culture. We've lost the sense in Christian culture of um, awe and beauty and the power of God working in a particular place. We still do it from time to time. If, if God has a mighty work, we'll say things like the Azusa Street Revival or the revival of this street of England or, or these churches. But it's very infrequently that we, we recognize and remember what God has done in a particular place. And Naaman says, whatever God did here, I want to bring piles of it back so that when, when we are called to worship to our gods, he told Elisha, I'm not going to worship them anymore. I, I will bow down because it's part of my job and I have to do this as part of the court. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to put down this soil and I'm going to remember and only worship the true God. So when they worship their false God, I'm going to worship the true God. Now this puts a lot of difficulty into the modern Christian brain. Like wh what are we saying here? Because he literally says, when I go into the, to the temple of Rimon and bow down to worship while he is leaning on my arm, while the king is leaning on my arm, and we go into the temple to bow down to this other God. When I go in there, would the Lord please pardon me? Because I'm not really going to worship Rimon anymore. This is a weird sort of situation because Naaman has this encounter with God and he converts fully. He says, I'm all in on Yahweh. I'm all in on the true God of Israel. But I'm going to go back and my job requires that I go into these courts and the king is going to lean on my arm and and it's this temple to another God, what would we say, I wonder? What would we say if someone made a decision to follow Jesus and said, but I still have to go back? I mean, if this passage doesn't give us compassion for those working in countries where Christians are the minority, I don't know what would. Because I, I know what my, my religious response is. How could you? How could you go back? How could you do that, Naaman? Well, all of us, all of us, are a work in progress. Every single one of us right now are being shaped in a new way for a new work that I believe God wants us to do. Every single one of us right now are encountering God or maybe we're running from God. All of us right now are using our time to press into knowing him more deeply or perhaps we're using our time to press into whatever the latest uh, thing is, the latest show. We were talking just before the stream about uh, how Zoom video conferencing must be loving this time. And then someone brought up a good point. What about Netflix and Hulu? They must be loving this time. And, and I'm down for Netflix and Hulu. But how much are we just trying to bide our time to get through this versus trying to press into the new thing that God may be calling us to do? Naaman may not have responded the way that a modern pastor would want someone to respond. He may not have said, that's it, I'm giving it all up. I'm moving in with you, Elisha. No, he went back. And he went into the temple of these false gods, but he brought the soil there so that he would have a remembrance, a piece of Israel. There's this tie between the holy ground of Israel when God tells Moses, take off your sandals for the ground in which you stand is holy ground. There was this special thing that Naaman felt connected to. And we don't do that as much here. But I've been thinking about, I've been thinking about what we can do moving forward. I've been thinking about new life that can come out of this. I've been thinking about what changes, just like Naaman, when we get humbled as a church, when we get humbled as a people, as a nation, and when I say church, I mean capital C church, 
what new life can we see grow from this? So I've, I've got this idea, and I pray that some of you would run, run this idea with me. And it was actually a, something in the back of my brain. Months and months ago, one of the chapel family said, hey, what do you think about a community garden at the chapel? And at the time, I, I thought, ah, it seems difficult. I don't know if we can make it happen. HOAs, all these things. Well, we've got this area outside the chapel that's fenced in. And right now, I think we're just wondering, what's next? What is the church going to look like? Are we just going to go back to the way things were? And the last thing that I want, the last thing that I want is for us to go back to the way things were. Because the way things were, it was people praying for the general day-to-days. But the way things are now, I see people crying out. My Facebook feed regularly is having people posting, saying, we're doing this 24-hour prayer. We're doing this 24 prayer revival. We're all going to get together. All these pastors, let's get together and pray for this. Let's pray for the churches. Let's pray for people to come to know Jesus during this time. Let's pray for God to hold the tide back. Let's pray for healing. Let's pray for the cure. Praying for all these things and crying out in a way that I haven't seen believers cry out in a long time. And what I'm loving most about it, and, and if you're a regular part of the chapel, you know this about me. I love seeing people get together to pray and come together around Jesus who wouldn't do it otherwise. I love seeing people who are Republicans and Democrats stop being those things primarily and instead primarily be a follower of Jesus. I love seeing people who are upper class or middle class or lower class come together and it doesn't matter what class you're part of because you're part of the family of Jesus. And we're seeing this right now and it's an opportunity. So so with this story and with this building that we have, with the, the land we have outside, I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if our first move back is to actually do something that we all do together. We, we literally get soil. And you can, I want us to bring some from our homes. And I want us to build boxes in the fenced-in area. And I want us to bring soil from our homes. And we'll buy some other gardening soil. Because we all know that when I say soil in Florida, I just mean sand. And I want us to build and grow something here. I want something for the kids on Sunday school to be able to go outside and nurture and nourish as a symbol for a new life that the church has an opportunity to jump into. And I want us to remember something important from this story of Naaman. The people that God is going to bring into this family may not look like what you think they'll look like. They may not be the people you think God would call into his family. We have this notion in our mind that a Christian ought to look this way or speak this way or act this way. A Christian is anyone who God decides to pour his grace and mercy upon. And in this case, it was Naaman. In your case, it might be that particular neighbor right now that up to this point, let's be honest, you haven't liked him much. But maybe that's the person that God says, this is who I want. This is who I'm humbling right now. This is who I'm putting through the Naaman Naaman routine to humble so they can be healed. Not just healed from a virus, but healed from the thing that holds us all back, the brokenness that sin caused healed from the things that make us want to put ourselves in the center. The scariest verse, and I like it better in the the other translation that I read, it's in verse 11. It says, when Naaman got angry, he left. And in in the CSB, it says, I was telling myself. In In the ESV and many other more literal translations, it's just the phrase, I thought. Naaman got angry because he thought it should go another way. He said, I thought it should go this way. I thought it should go that way. I think most of our problems start with us resting on our own thoughts, saying, I thought this, and then we get frustrated. I thought this, and then we get angry. I know it works that way in marriages. I've heard allegedly. I don't say that in my marriage ever. I know my wife's watching. 
What are the thoughts that you have that are your own thoughts that you need to get rid of? What are the thoughts that you're holding on to that are my thoughts, I thoughts, that you need to say, I got to get rid of these? We've been playing this game for so long about self-preservation and self-comfort. What if this is the season for new life? For God to do something more miraculous than healing someone of a skin disease. For God to bring new life and for us to have a living reminder at the chapel. For us to have something that we have to come and tend together as a family. For us to literally have a piece of soil from each of our yards that we pour into something so that we're all in this together and the kids and the adults on Sundays and throughout the week can tend this thing just to be a reminder of this season. Because if, if we stop and we just go back to normal when this is all over, what was it for? What have we learned? But if we allow this humbling process to get rid of some of the self-centered thoughts, the I thought that it would go this way. I thought that it should go that way. And instead we say, God, what do you think? God, what do you want? God, what needs to change in my life today in light of the humbling that I'm going through? There's, there's a lot for us. And I, and I don't know what that looks like for you. But I know one aspect of it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've been really burdened during this season wondering like, okay, what about these organizations? What about, what about Door of Hope and the fostering thing? How are they doing? And I'm watching these posts from Door of Hope and the foster care system, and I'm thinking, man, it's got to be insane right now. Kids that are getting taken from their families and then having to get placed in the midst of a, a coronavirus epidemic. What about the Restoration Hem Project, the project where they're, they're providing education for young girls and boys in Zim, Africa, how is that going there? Because their whole country just got locked down and they don't have a lot of the resources and technology that we have to communicate and distribute certain things. How, how about for this moment we begin thinking beyond just do I have enough? I thought that we would get through this and said, say, Lord, what do you want me to do? How can I help? I was so blessed and encouraged in the way that you guys uh, helped the Nunnalies after their motorcycle accident. I've been so blessed and encouraged that you guys have been still um, supporting the chapel. I don't know if you guys are you're driving by and you're dropping off checks and giving online. It's been such an incredible thing to watch. Um, I would ask you, if, if God has put that any of these ministries on your heart, now is the time not to, to hold, but to open and give. Um, think, I want you to think about giving a birthday present for somebody. Chapel family, uh, one of our one of you, it's your birthday today. Happy birthday, Don Zitko. You're going to kill your husband in five seconds from the moment this goes to your ears. But Don works at Door of Hope. She's, she's a big part of the reason, along with a number of families from the chapel, that we emphasize and love foster care so much. She's an employee there, and I'm sure right now there's a lot up in the air. If God puts it on your heart, go support Door of Hope Ministries. Just type in Door of Hope Foster Tampa Bay, or Don can put a link in the, the Facebook comments below. And go support them. Do something beyond just the four walls of your house. Bring the soil of your life, bring the soil of God out into the world. Just because we have to stay at home right now doesn't mean our influence has to stay at home. Just because we feel trapped and stuck and there's a lot going on and the stress is mounting doesn't mean we stop loving our neighbor as ourselves. And who is our neighbor? It's the Namans. It's the people that no one expects. It's the people that no one is looking out for. The reason why I'm drawn to stories like this in the Bible is because I was the kid that nobody looked out for. I was the one that nobody thought would become a Christian. I was the one that nobody thought would become a pastor for sure. And maybe you are that one as well. Maybe you're not. We all have our stories to walk. But what I do know for sure is that right now in this time, 
Everyone is starving for love and security and safety and belonging and a sense of something bigger. Because this, this moment in history has shown us just how fragile life can be. So what will we do? Will we reach out? Will we love? I'm very excited to start the garden out there. Not just because it's a garden for the community, but because it's a, a living symbol of this moment to remind myself how I felt and how we all feel right now. In a year from now, when we're tending some tomatoes or planting some other crop in the little garden out there, I want it to remind us that in this moment we had to depend on God in ways that we haven't had to in a long time. And let this be a moment where new life grows, Chapel family. I love you all. I'm praying for you. If you have prayers, I want you to post those in here. You can reach out to me. You can text me. Uh, You might have to replay this. My number is 813-444-7170. I would love to pray for you. I have all the time in the world to pray for you. You can message me on Facebook. You can leave a comment on Facebook or YouTube. You can email us. Uh, This is what I want to do each week. I don't want to just play a, a recording of me talking over and over. I want us to be together in this. So keep an eye out for that. Um, Message us in. And and let me pray for us now. And if you're posting any prayers, um, I want want you to to know that I'll be praying for you off camera and off stream as well. Uh, But let's just pray as, as we move on. Father, we have no control. And we're finally realizing it. Lord, life is fragile, and we're finally realizing it. Lord, life beyond this existence, I've always believed and trusted to be more than just this life, that we have eternity with you. And it's incredible to me, Lord, to see how many people are finally pressing in and leaning on that. Lord, I grieve that it took this to humble us. But I'm excited for the life that you will spring from this. Lord, we don't even know much more about Naaman other than the fact that he went away. But he, he was never the same. He brought you with him in the only way he knew how and vowed to never worship another God but only to worship you. Lord, I pray that that would be true for us. That we would not go back to the way things were the same. Sure, we'll go back, Lord, to the shopping and the the beach days and the pool and whatever else, Lord. But I pray that it would never be the same. Just as when Naaman went back, he, he vowed to never fall into honoring another thing above you. May we never fall back into honoring this suburban and city way of thinking, this this American way of life. May we never go back to settling for that and thinking that that is the end all be all. Lord, plant in our hearts, plant in our hearts the truths that we are learning right now. Give us wisdom to know how to neighbor well. We love you, Lord. It's all for you. In Jesus' name.